0: This is the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike.
1: Marching our way into episode number 12, Time Out with Shore Sports, Mark Potter and Mike Bradley here. And... Yeah, we got a good show today, I think.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We've got a couple of guests lined up, and then, of course, we'll interject ourselves in the podcast as well. It's we, kind of what we do with these. We, which <laughs> should be kind of
1: difficult for us since you and I both had off Friday night. You so. we,
0: we, we weren't off. We just had other responsibilities. I was off. I don't want people <laughs> like you are. I don't want people to think that, oh, it's Friday night lights, and we're just taking off to take off. That's not true. No. Yeah, but you had a family obligation. I had another work obligation, so that's what happened.
1: Yeah, so. I enjoy. A dinner at the Blacksburg Tavern down there, right. and my kids were giving me a hard time, my kid that I was with, and my wife.
0: Is that uh, not where the cool kids go to hang out? Well, no, they give <laughs> me a hard
1: time because I went into the bathroom when I got there and used the bathroom and washed my hands, and there was a really cool picture hanging over the toilet, and it was of oh, the Virginia Tech campus before they built it up. Okay, And it was really cool. So I took a picture of it and brought it out and showed them in
0: case nobody else went into the bathroom. But I'm guessing what? Uh, what, did some of the urinals show or what? What's going on here? Yeah,
1: I mean, it was just, it was <laughs> you know, it was a cool picture. Okay. You know? But the I,
0: fact it was in a bathroom, they didn't think yeah, that was yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah, they Okay. Uh, I got gotcha. you.
1: And, of course, I texted to my oldest son, who lives in Colorado now, and he says, yeah, there are some really cool pictures of old-time Blacksburg. And I'm like, yeah. well, I just found one of them in the bathroom. Here, I'll send it mm-hmm. to
0: you. It, it is amazing amazing, though, to see some of the pictures of these campuses before they got so built up. I mean, if you go to the University of Maryland, I mean, I haven't been there since spring practice and the spring game. But man, oh, man. I mean, and just in the last couple of years, the amount of uh, construction there and how it's changed, it's its crazy. Yeah, Virginia Tech's
1: building, too. Alabama's yeah. building. They, Alabama's- all are. they all are. Alabama needs to build because while we were enjoying the sun in Blacksburg, the campus was flooding at the University of Alabama. They had dorm- rooms that had flooding. Is that so, right? Yeah,
0: so, yeah. They've had they've dealt with some issues with Mother Nature the last couple of years. They had that tornado a couple of years yeah, ago too that yeah. that went through there.
1: Yeah, so, just all sorts of stuff. But yeah. that's not way,
0: too many people are feeling for Alabama. I'm sure they're well taken care of financially thanks to that football program. Yeah,
1: well, I'm uh, going to take off again this weekend too. <laughs> so you know, you're you're on your own. Your yeah, I,
0: I will be here. <laughs> so, I will be working.
1: But no, we got we do have a good show today coming up. We got, we're going to be joined here momentarily by Frank Samansky. He is the uh, athletic director and the baseball, we'll talk to him about that, baseball coach, baseball manager, you know, what the hell? I mean, let's, let's, in major leagues a baseball manager, but if you go on you know, let's go skipjacks.com it says head coach. So we need we'll get to the bottom of that with him. Uh, he's also got a pretty amazing daughter that is coaching field hockey, and uh, we'll talk to him about that oh, cool. okay. as well. So uh, Runs that, in the family then yeah, coaching, huh? Obviously. Yeah. I, I think a mandate you know, and he's got a kid that's a golfer, too, on the Eastern golf team. That's nice. doing pretty well. So
0: Nice. Well, you've been out at a lot of the golf courses recently covering uh, high school golf. I don't
1: want to say a lot. I've been to two. Okay. So one south, well, one north. Like it. so. Well, it's two more it than last seem, year. It did seem like it because, damn, it took yeah. forever for those golf matches to get over. I'm like, good <laughs> God, can y'all play through? And they're looking in the woods. And it's like me playing golf. Yeah. Um, well, they were high schoolers, Mark. Yeah, I know. So we'll, we'll talk to Frank about that. <laughs> uh, and then uh, once we threw Frank, then we're going to talk about the high school football action that you and I missed this past weekend.
0: Yeah, although I was keeping tabs. So I'm, I'm at my desk slash studio, sports slash sports cave. And as I'm prepping for Maryland, I've got the game on 94.3 Winks FM. And even as I'm doing the network pregame show and all that, I'm keeping an eye on Twitter and following that. And I'm also saying, Matt Griffith, text me whenever there's an update. <laughs> and Luke Matrinko text me when there's an update. To their credit, they did that. So I was still able to keep in tune with what was going on, but it was different, I'll say yeah. that. But that Maryland game didn't end until 1 a.m. Saturday morning, so my day started at what 3:30 on Friday morning. Did not go to bed till 1 a.m. on Saturday morning. Crime, River. <laughs>
1: so yeah. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> Matt Griffith, who was on the call of that Kent Island Decatur game, kind of a surprising result uh, to me, anyway. Uh, we're going to bring him in yeah. on the conversation as well. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. It's uh, it's going to be A good one. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group.
2: Hey Delmarva, it's Chuck Month here at the Preston Autoplex. You can get huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, Lincolns, Mazdas, Nissans, Hyundais, and Genesis and pre owned vehicles all at one location. During Chuck Month, you can get 0% financing on select new vehicles with approved credit. You heard that right 0% financing. So come see us during Chuck Month here at the Preston Autoplex. Located on the corners of routes 318 and 331. And remember, you can always shop for your next vehicle online and we'll deliver right to your door at PrestonMotor.com.
1: This portion of Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group is sponsored by an Optical Galleria. Yeah, they've created a brand new sunglass line known as Hook Optics, an amazing fit for heads of all sizes and a variety of colored polarized lenses. Stop by an Optical gallery in the Tealmarsh Plaza in West Ocean City on West Water Street in downtown Centerville and in downtown Easton on Harrison Street to try on a new pair of Hook Sunglasses. Check them out online at einzenart.net or HookOptics.com. Um, Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and let's go ahead and bring in our guest, uh, Frank Somaski, the athletic director and head coach of Chesapeake Baseball here. And welcome to the program, Coach. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So Mike's a yeller. So, I mean, using the same microphone. uh,
0: Yeah, I could probably come from here, come across.
1: (laughs) So, but, you know, let's talk about... uh, the Chesapeake College athletic program right now and you know you guys were totally shut down until last spring uh when you got to the outdoor sports but it really had a major impact on the college itself and not having students in the building and yeah how are you seeing the student athletes now adjusting getting back into you know what is kind of a regular routine
3: well, first of all, our administration has been uh, outstanding with their support and uh, and leadership through uh, these tough times. Uh, the student athletes are, are constantly making adjustments, uh, being um, you know studying virtually, and now coming back. Some are face to face, some are still online, and some are at the uh, in the hybrid position where they go to school one day a week and then they're online the other week. So it's a big uh, it's a big adjustment, and uh, and the uh, student athletes are doing well.
1: One of the biggest. things things we noticed in the high schools was there were a lot of students not eligible because of the grades and learning online compared to learning in the classroom and they really struggled with that did that impact the college or, or did they make any adjustments like queen anne's county where they said you know what everybody's eligible for the first you know grading period did the college do anything like that
3: uh, not in that way, but the college was uh, was outstanding in their support, the academic support, the uh, the staff, uh, everybody was on board to help the transition, to help the student athletes um, receive a quality education and and get proper assistance through the uh, the virtual learning.
1: You've got some great coaches over there now. It's been it's been a process, I guess, trying to recruit student athletes to play chesapeake college and right now i know and for instance your your men's soccer team and also your volleyball team they're loaded with local talent
3: it's a great opportunity for, for the local student-athlete, uh, Chesapeake College. Um, not only the education, which is as solid as it could be, um, you know the, uh, the courses that transfer to Salisbury, Towson, Frostburg. Um, it just gives the local student-athlete an opportunity to come and compete at, at, a, at a high level. Talking with Coach Frank Szymanski from Chesapeake College. He's the athletic director
1: there as well
0: coach a couple of questions i know we're sharing a mic so i'll go through this and let you answer a couple of rapid fire first mail mark talked about covid and being shut down has that affected the number of players coming back with the sports and then you're an ad as well so how many sports do you have at chesapeake and talk to us about the conference you play in and nearby teams that you play on a regular basis
3: well, yes, absolutely. COVID had a big Im- impact on, uh, on recruiting and enrollment um, because of the situation. So we're trying to, um, you know, ha- all hands on deck uh, approach where we're out recruiting, getting more students, uh, just students or student athletes interested in Chesapeake College because of the quality education that, that it offers and the support staff that it has. Uh, Chesapeake College offers six uh, intercollegiate athletics uh, teams with um, men's soccer men's basketball and baseball and then women's volleyball women's basketball and softball so we're uh, we're definitely excited about that we belong to the maryland junior college athletic association which um, there I think there's 15, 15 13 or 15 uh, maryland counties that offer uh, athletics inside of a, a community college uh, conference
1: Man, I'm sitting here looking at the roster for the men's soccer team, and there's not one single player that comes from off the shore. They're all right here on the shore. And this is, I mean, it's been a team in the years past. It's been a struggle to field a team. But now you got to be pretty happy knowing that you know, they've been able to recruit so much local talent.
3: Well, our coach uh, Toch, uh, Tony Leitsky is out. You know, uh, he's he's uh, active in the community. He's uh, recruiting student athletes. Um, he's just uh, relentless, and uh, and we appreciate all he does uh, for the college and for the soccer program.
1: And speaking of you know local athletes, of course, you know we mentioned the volleyball team being loaded with a bunch of local student athletes there as well. And you know, again, you've got uh, folks from Easton and Federalsburg – North Dorchester, Colonel, uh, Chestertown. I mean, a pretty impressive roster. And folks that we've been talking to mention their names here uh, on 94.3 Winks FM with the local sports updates because you have so many of these players that have decided, one, to stay local and go to school, and two, stay local and
3: play. Absolutely, Mark. We're, we're just, you know, so excited that uh, Coach Emily George is out and, and she's also active in the community, plays a lot at the Y and is building the reputation where, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, eventually get, to, get the program up with local student athletes where we'll be able to compete for uh, championships.
0: Coach, talk to us about the, the JUCO uh, setup compared to a four-year college. What kind of students and where are they at when they come to a JUCO? Why did they make that decision?
3: Well that's an excellent question. Um it, basically the uh the junior college student athlete is is one that that is uh is driven uh that that has a uh has a focus on on a specific sport and and has a plan on, you know, developing uh their skills academically, athletically and socially where they can uh get an opportunity to compete at a high level and have the um the uh, the possibility of of developing into uh, a higher level uh student athlete.
1: Talking to Frank Szymanski from Chesapeake College. We're going to take off his AD hat and put on his head coach hat or manager hat. We'll figure out what that hat is when we come back. It's time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group.
0: And this portion of Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, also brought to you by our friends at Pret Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Pret Moy Therapy Associates at 410 604 2982.
1: All right. Coach, I got to know as a former high school baseball coach, I was coach. Yeah, where where do we make the transition to manager? Because. I always had a manager, and they were responsible for getting water, and they were responsible for, you know, making sure helping the field get lined and all that.
3: I think you got to do all that too, don't you? Is it the jack of all trades? Absolutely, absolutely, Coach uh, Mark. We, um, But we have two outstanding baseball coaches at Chesapeake College, uh, Scott Milligan uh, out of Kent County, and Caden Stover, um, who played for me um, a few years back and now is helping us out. So they handle a lot of the coaching ability. Uh uh, uh, duties and responsibilities, and, and I handle the rest. So, are you a head coach or are you a manager? Uh, head
1: coach/slash manager. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, we didn't get an answer there. So, it's, it's still you know both, is, is what it is.
0: Yeah, so baseball terminology, I'm always thinking manager, but you're right. At the high school level, you've got managers that help out with keeping scorebooks, right, students, getting water, right. lining fields, all that kind of thing. So we get caught up in the uh, yeah, you in know, the nomenclature. That's a word.
1: Well, mean. and when you think about it, that baseball's got some weird rules. Like you go to a softball game or a lacrosse game or football, you don't have to wear a uniform. You know, could you imagine showing up in a high school football game and seeing Jody Ward dressed up in, in pads and a helmet standing on the sidelines? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, baseball, that's what you got to do. You got to wear the baseball pants and the baseball shirt. Coach, do you see them? I know there was some talk at one time of changing that rule. Do you see them getting away from making coaches dress up and looking like high school kids, something that we'll never be able to pull off?
3: <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. You think you're going
1: to stay that way. So. Are you one of those, you know, old-fashioned history guys that thinks that that needs, needs to stay as a part of the game?
3: Absolutely. I love the game, and, uh, you know, the coach and the manager are are on the field, so when they're on the field, they need to be dressed appropriately.
1: But when you see and you look like watching softball, I, I love watching women's college softball. I mean, you don't see any of these you know, coaches, male or female, wearing softball uniforms.
3: To each his own. That's that's how it goes, and um, you know they they obviously have a, a, a great uh, program and uh, and it's a great sport, but that's what they choose to do. That's
1: why I got out of baseball,
3: Mike, because I couldn't I couldn't find a jersey that would fit me. <laughs> I
1: had or to, p- or pants. I had to reach out. No, I found pants. Okay. They, they make pants. Yeah, you know, listen, me and Donnie Gow, we had the pants thing, and Donnie ended up dropping down to an extra large. So you know, me, uh, I, I'm still having it, but you know, I can handle the pants. It's the shirt, it's so tough. I end up wearing a like a batting cage jacket, and, and that <laughs> sufficed. <but. laughs>
0: Coach, I got to ask you give us uh, give us a little background about yourself, how you got into coaching, and how you ultimately arrived at Chesapeake.
3: Wow. <laughs> Well, that, that that could take that take could take way way more way longer than we have right now. We got an hour, um, Coach. We're good. <laughs> um, how I got into coaching was I wanted to be a player, obviously, like most players, I wanted to play professional, and uh, and obviously it didn't work out. So I, uh, I my father was a, a basketball coach for 25 years and an athletic director, and I kind of fell into that, um, you know, being around him for all those years and on the sidelines, and and it's kind of in my blood, and and it's something that wanted to do to uh, give back and help people frank
1: samansky with us chesapeake college and you know you've had a lot of success there at chesapeake college as a baseball coach and you know i'm going to ask you a a question you couldn't you probably will consider it a loaded question but i'm going to ask you a question with success that you've had here at chesapeake college coaching baseball with World Championship-level teams that are competing for titles and won titles. Why is it so hard to get some local Eastern Shore athletes to consider Chesapeake to come here?
3: Well, I think um, in most cases and in most counties uh, throughout the state of Maryland and even, you know, in other states, most most local student-athletes don't want to—they want to go away. They want to go away and experience something, and, uh, and, and, and it might be right for them. Uh, so that, that's why it's a difficult task to, uh, to recruit the local student athlete because the majority of them want to go away for college.
1: But you've had some success with kids that have stayed here, like one in particular that uh, was leading the nation in batting, and he just graduated from Chesapeake and after two years has now gone to JMU and I'm talking about Nick Noonham.
3: Yeah, we were lucky to get Nick. Nick was a transfer back to Chesapeake, so we were uh we were definitely happy with that, uh that he um decided to come to Chesapeake and and um and, and, and had a great season and is now at uh, uh James Madison. Yeah. So I mean
1: these are kids that have come here, played here, been successful here, and I just I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people, well, I don't want to go to the peak. And I'm like, come on, that's that's a natural progression, you know. And matter of fact, hold those questions. When we come back and we're going to dive into JUCO versus D1, 2, and 3 and how JUCO might be, and in my opinion, was the right route for the student athletes that just graduated. More on that coming up right here. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. This portion of the broadcast is sponsored by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to QueenstownBank.com.
0: Well, Mark, I know you've got some questions concerning uh, the game, but one of mine, Coach, is the numbers game and where we see baseball At the younger levels, at the rec levels, the travel team, and as it filters its way up to high school, JUCO, et cetera. Where do you see the game of baseball right now and five or ten years from now?
3: Well, I think it's thriving. Uh, we, we, uh, Chesapeake College um, hosted probably about seven uh, travel league tournaments this summer uh, throughout the weekends, and it was pack slammed. Rosters were full. These were all high school kids. Um, so I think in that way, it is, uh, it's excelling. Um, the, the younger age is, is kind of uh, in, in a little bit of flux with uh, lacrosse, with all the options and choices. Um, but I think that the, uh, it'll hold on steady and uh, it's just in trends.
0: Is it fair to say, though, that maybe the days of – because what I grew up and played, I played Little League ball. My best friend played Little League ball, but he was also a very good athlete as well, so he played travel ball as well. The, maybe the days of the Little League numbers are dwindling, but those that are good, that love the sport, are probably travel team players, that that's where it's going to thrive. And maybe Little League, I don't know, that it'll have more consolidation and won't ever be as big as it was maybe even now, or certainly as it was 15, 20, 25, 30. years ago.
3: I agree, and unless they start working together, which is a possibility that they could work together, and Little League could uh, could still maintain its uh, its status as as a solid organization and, and give kids as many opportunities as, as possible.
1: I think you got plenty of room for Little League. It's it's all of these travel ball teams when when mommy or daddy aren't happy that little Johnny isn't getting the playing time that he thinks they deserve. So then they turn around and they go create their own team and try and. Re- recruit more kids off of that. I I think the travel team part has really blossomed, and we've got so many travel teams. And the travel teams that want to go around and play in the big tournaments and the very competitive tournaments and learn to take your whoopins. I like those teams a lot better than the ones that just want to compete on the local you know and we'll charge a thousand dollars to put a kid in three uniforms and, and then just stay and compete in I, i'm not going to pick on fruitland but just say for a pick a town you know they go and compete just in fruitland tournaments you know once a week and, and they won't go anywhere you know, and their kids aren't getting any better you know except the fact that maybe your little johnny isn't as good as the others, and continue to work and try and you know get him better at, to play. And you see the same thing with softball. I mean, there are so many different softball and little league travel teams that have popped up now. It's like holy crap! You know, can't just stay with the team. You know, I mean, there are some kids out there that have been with every single organization, <laughs> and they created their own. Okay, and they left that one too, because somebody else was there, and they did they had a little you know thing
0: yeah. I was, I was just curious about that because I know we talk about the those that play Little League and those that play travel as well, that ultimately those that are dedicated and good enough, they're going to always lean and play travel if there's a confliction because a Little League, you don't have necessarily the dedication there and the players aren't necessarily as good. And that's okay, but ultimately travel is going to win out. They
1: should be dedicated. If you're playing for
0: a team, you be dedicated. Well, I'm with you. And I was dedicated to my Little League team. I wasn't good enough to play on the travel teams but I showed up for every game had a blast we didn't have that issue then I'm just curious now if that was an issue
1: that's why high school has a rule that if you if you go to a travel team and practice for that travel team and skip your own game or your own team mm-hmm. then you can be kicked off the team yeah well, and, I, I, and it's I, a forfeit yeah well
0: I agree with that. I agree with that I
1: think it's a forfeit I made that rule up maybe. <laughs> but coach I want to talk to you about Juco versus colleges and you know I talked when I coached coached high school, and I didn't coach this past spring. I, I jumped out because of job commitments and what happened He's ya. the
0: Brett Favre of, of coaches yeah, in this area. Right. I'm going to retire. <laughs> I'm going to retire. Oh, no, I'm coaching a team this spring.
1: Yeah, I, I was telling kids. I, I think... With the, with the colleges, your D1s, your D2s, your 3s, your NAIAs, all of them, NCAA gave them an extra year of eligibility. And it made it tough for the kids that were coming out of high school to go into a situation where, let's face it, they're probably not going to play. And if you want to play and you, know, you want to be able to continue to learn to get better and get your education cheaper, by the way, at that point – Wouldn't Juco be a better option? Maybe not for everybody, but for right now because of
3: the circumstances? It's all about opportunity and and finances, like you said, and uh, player development, um, location. Um, but yeah, the, the the junior college, community college, however you want to put it, um, is just an opportunity uh, that 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 people um, that they're not aware of it, and and how much we play and how much we practice and and the small classrooms at Chesapeake and the price that you mentioned at Chesapeake and the support and the. Um the academic support service, the, the advising, the counseling, the administration, the faculty at Chesapeake College is is is, is intent is 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 to uh, is to learn and and in student development. Yeah, and of course you can play, and you have a ton of contacts with a
1: lot of the four-year university coaches. And your job as a head coach is when they're there playing for you, if they want to continue their education and continue to play at the next level, your job is you're helping them reach that next level to get to a four-year university
3: absolutely it's all part of the package uh, when when someone commits to Chesapeake College that's all part of it uh, developing uh, developing academically athletically socially and then they have to put the numbers up in the classroom with the GPA and the grades that they earn and then the numbers on the field and then uh, the rest is, uh, is up to us
1: now there are a couple of sports that you're missing there at Chesapeake College and you and I have talked about them at great length a couple of times one is the devil sport lacrosse and And two, I call it devil because as a baseball coach, you know, it's, yeah, (laughs) you lose numbers to, you know, because, you know, lacrosse is. I understand. Competing for athletes. Yeah, competing for. But, and also. Thank you for clarifying that. And also football. Any chance of the peak getting either of those two sports for either sex?
3: I would say uh, eventually, maybe one day uh, on the lacrosse side. The football side is a little bit costly, and there's no Maryland community colleges that play football.
1: Yeah, you'd have to travel to the Midwest. That's correct. And how much fun that would be, though, Coach.
3: It would be really fun, yeah, but, um, you know, and we, really expensive. <laughs> unless somebody you know wanted to make a big donation, then we would be uh, we'd be happy to look at it. Under Armour Ravens.
0: Yeah, I, I think Mark's trying to angle for a coaching job there. No. That, that's my that's my guess. No. That's my guess, Coach. Now, Coach, I want to ask you in terms of uh, putting your your baseball hat on for a second. I'm always curious about you know philosophies, styles, etc. You know, we talked to Coach Brohan at Salisbury University several several months now back in our first podcast uh, coming off the D3 National Championship. For you guys at Chesapeake, what is your philosophy when players come to the program? What are you asking of them? And what's your style on the field? Oh, he's a screamer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I meant like, you know, the style of play. Like, are you a small ball team, hit for the fences, defensive team, that kind of stuff. But yeah.
3: Well, we, we're asking for commitment. You know, we want a commitment uh, academically and athletically and, and to always represent Chesapeake College and their family in a positive way on and off the field. That's our number one goal. Uh, our style changes from year to year because our roster changes from year to year. So we had seven guys returning from last year, and last year we scored a bunch of runs. Uh, and We had a lot of speed. Um, and then the year before that we had some slow guys with power. Uh, so our philosophy changes per year based on our roster development.
0: And in terms of uh, the success that Mark's talked about that you guys have had, what do you attribute that to?
3: The, the, the hard work and dedication of our student-athletes, our, our, our assistant coaches that I mentioned earlier, earlier Scott Milligan, Caden Stover, Dan, Danny Miller, who's now the VP at Queen Anne's County High School. He was with us for eight or nine years. Uh, all that hard work, um, the, uh, the faculty, the staff, uh, the administration that have supported uh, the program. Uh, they, they, they get all the credit. We're
1: talking with Coach Frank Szymanski from Chesapeake College. We mentioned his kids earlier on. We're going to find out more about them coming up right here. Timeout with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group.
0: And this portion of the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. Frank
1: Skamansky, the legend. Yes, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's at you know, at Chesapeake College. But he's got a daughter, Allie Szymanski, who is a teacher at Easton High School and uh, is also the field hockey coach uh, at Easton High School. And uh, the, the, matter of fact, uh, they have a big game later on today um, at uh, four o'clock um, uh, on the pitch. But, you know, you, you got to be pretty proud that, that you one of your kids decided to get into being a teacher and, and much less a coach.
3: Well, my wife Colleen is a teacher. She's been a teacher at uh, uh, Chapel District for over 20 years. Yeah. So that the education parts in our in our uh, family, like I said before, my father, Allie's grandfather, it was a coach for 25 years, athletic director. So we're 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 mighty proud of her uh, her passion and, and commitment and and um, and smarts. Did you see her wanting to be a coach? Did she talk to you about that at all? Oh, absolutely. She was a graduate assistant at St. Mary's College of Maryland, uh, field hockey for, for one year down there. So we, we talk a little bit about it, but um, she has her own mind and her own philosophy, and she's doing very well.
1: So does she come to dad for with you know, dad? I, I need some advice. I got this. I got this one girl that is like a pain in my butt, <laughs> or I've got this parent that's a pain in my butt. How do I deal with this?
3: From time to time, we do discuss you know different issues and and uh and um and problems and, and success so um but she's pretty uh she's pretty focused and and has a, and has a good uh good process
1: and now you also have a couple of kids uh, other kids boys um joe samansky is a golfer uh with easton high school and uh, he's had some success i saw i saw your wife out
3: on the course walking the course Joe Joe's hanging in there, you know, Easton, we we want to get him to the States this year, the whole team and uh and they gotta keep practicing and uh and hopefully they'll qualify at the end of the year and, and uh and the you know, the whole team will be successful.
1: Where where did this golf come thing come from? I, I, do you golf?
3: I try to, um, again, my father, Joe's grandfather, avid golfer, um, just just brought it into the family, and Joe picked it right up, as along with my other son, uh, Michael. Right, but you're not so good. Is that what you're telling me? I, 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 um, Joe beats you. I, I take my lumps. Yes, yes. he can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Coach, I'm curious. You
0: just mentioned that your daughter has kind of her own philosophy. So where do you guys differ? How are you guys different in terms of how you approach coaching? And then also, outside of your father... Who else was a big influence in terms of your coaching today or getting into coaching?
1: Frank had no idea what he was getting into today.
3: (laughs) I think think, – Allie's uh, uh, high, a college coach uh, had a big influence on her um, when she was playing at the college colleges uh, St. Mary's of Maryland. So I knew that had a had an impact on her philosophy. Um, we're we're similar in personalities. I mean, she obviously has a lot of energy, and and I don't know anything about field hockey, so I can't give her help on strategies. So her preparation and uh, and research and uh, and commitment to the game and to her and to her uh, student athletes is what me me a lot um, in, in my background I would say uh, coach Dean Deshaun of uh, Salisbury uh, it was Salisbury State College when I was there he had a big influence on me uh, in my coaching career uh, outside of my father that's a long time ago <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: So, how, how, when did you graduate Salisbury? I, graduate, I graduated Salisbury in 91 and 93. Oh, you're, well, you're
1: a lot younger than I thought. <laughs> so I can't say anything because that's like, you know, you're, you're about my
0: age. But another SU connection. We've yeah. been talking about that. Yeah,
1: right? it, it is. That's yeah. why you need to consider the shore. But, uh, well, listen, Coach, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to uh, join us today. If somebody's interested in you know, talking to uh, you know, Chesapeake College about, you know, possibly coming on board, no matter... You know, any of the sports you play, you've got a very competitive uh, girls' basketball team, a boys' basketball team, or I guess at the college level, it's men's and women's. Uh, you've got the volleyball, you got the soccer. Um, it, did I, I'm missing a sport, aren't I? Softball. Softball, yeah. So, um, yeah, and this year, I imagine softball playing in memory of Dury Ace.
3: That's absolutely correct, and also our women's basketball team has won um, six out of the eight regional championships, six out of the last eight regional championships.
1: So very competitive, and we'll have you, matter of fact, we'll have you and Gwen back here on the podcast uh, to preview the basketball season because uh, uh, they they are very good. And, and Gwen has got some one-liners on her and coachisms that uh, I think will blow some people's minds.
3: So <laughs> She's a winner.
1: Yes, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But thanks again for coming in, sharing your life with us, and, and we look forward to having you back.
3: I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Frank Szymanski, Chesapeake College. Yeah, Let's go skipjacks.com if you want to follow along on their educational or their Athletic uh, site. You can also go to chesapeake.edu to find out more about education. And you can always catch up with uh, Coach Frank Szymanski. His email is on the Let's Go Skipjacks and Chesapeake.edu website if you have a child or if you yourself are thinking about going back to Chesapeake College. And hey, Mike, I, I know
0: I've got. I've got four years of eligibility. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, uh, just saying. Well, if you're going to play yeah. baseball, you got to fit into that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> no, he'd work me too hard, so there's no doubt about that.
1: Potter? I, 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 I was actually thinking maybe, maybe. Oh, that's right. They don't have a football team. So that's all right. I'll check with Nick when I'm down there this weekend. We're back with more coming up here on Timeout with Shore Sports. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org.
0: It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you.
1: On this segment of Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at For All Seasons, Inc. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley. And we've got the coach, Matt Griffith, with us as well. He was the only one of us that worked high school football on Friday night. Hi, Coach. How are you?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good, fellas. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic.
1: Well. So, listen, we always break down um, the week weekend of games for the high school level, and uh, but being that neither one of us um, <laughs> were there on Friday, I thought it would be good because to have you on because, well, you were actually there and saw it, but... I want to start off with a game you did, and that is the Decatur at Ken Island game. And the result there surprised me. Um, Ken Island ended up winning that one by the score forty-two thirteen. 42-13. Not so much surprised that Ken Island won. I'm surprised that Ken Island won by so much.
2: Yeah, you know, the first quarter and a half looked like two heavyweight fighters just getting after it. That was a really good high school football game. Both of them making plays on both sides of the ball. And I think what uh, started to transpire is Decatur, after tying it up 7-7, put themselves in some long down and distance due to -to back-to-back penalties. There was one series there. They had three consecutive penalties for a total of 35 yards. So I think we all would agree. There's not a lot of plays in your playbook when you're second and 35 and third and 35 to, uh, to get going. Um, I think the big turning point there is Ken Allen came in and scored with about six and a half minutes to go in the second quarter and then held the care to a quick uh, three and out and had a short field position possession and I was able to punch it in again right before halftime went up 21-7 and um, you know Matt Spence and I, we talked about just looking at the players body language to start the third quarter and you could see the you know the old style Ken Allen smelling blood in the water getting ready to get out get after it for, for good and we were kind of concerned on what happened with Decatur and it was really going to you know, dictate their first possession. They went three and out and it just continued to spiral after that.
0: Well, and Coach, uh, to your point about penalties through the first three quarters, Decatur 0-7 on third down, that'll kill you. Uh, but I guess what I was surprised about is as both teams came into this game, of the two thinking Decatur is the more explosive, I expected to see a couple more of those, but Ken Island's defense to hold the 13 like that and one of those scores late in the game. I mean, that's unbelievable, the job that they did. And and we know Ken Island's known for defense. We know how good Coach Tim Goodrich is as as the D.C. But regardless, um, I was really surprised by that. And they took away, obviously, the strength of Decatur, which is uh, throwing the football.
2: They did. And, you know, even early on, it was a good battle. It was a nice little chess match. They were mixing up. All, Decatur's mixing up their formations and motioning, trying to get some advantages. And uh, you know, Ken Allen shifted up a couple times, showing different coverages, showing press, and would bail into you know some some other coverages, which I think played a you know it was a, it was a nice little roll back and forth. Um, and I think eventually, the, the, Ken Allen just warmed down and um, physically and mentally, and it became you know too much for Decatur to handle. Uh, Decatur moved the ball on him uh, in the first half and every time they would start to get momentum, they would pick up you know, something bad would happen, either a drop pass. They had a couple drops in the first half as well, or a penalty, and it really set them back.
1: Now, I know you can't blame a 42-13 loss on the officials, but the officials can have an impact on a game. In your post-game interview with Jake Coleman, the head coach at Decatur, he said flat out the officials sucked tonight. He did. I mean, did, do you, you and I have been, you know, kind of aggressive at times on officials and the lack of communication or, or not knowing the rules or what have you. Would you agree with that assessment?
2: Well, I'll tell you what I think happened after you know, hearing what he said, and that apparently there was some controversy before the game of whether their uniforms were legal or not. And I think that might have added a little fuel to that whole fire. Mm-hmm. And then one or two calls that are questionable go the opposite way against you, and then it seems to be like a constant thing. There was, there was a, a one or two things that took place. There was an invalid fair catch call, a flag, when it was 35-7. to 7. And there was literally a player twenty yards away, just telling the guy to let the ball go. And he, if you were, you know, looking at a basketball official how they would do a five count, that's all emotion was, you know, to get away. And he did it two times, and they said it was an invalid fair catch. And he wasn't even the player near the ball. So things mm-hmm. like that, I think, just kind of continued to build up and kind of created that uh, explosion maybe after the game there.
0: <laughs> that, that would explain a lot, <laughs> yeah. Coach. I, I know for me coming into this game, and I did have Ken Island ranked above Decatur, and as I said, for me... I think Decatur had the chance to be the number one team in the conference. We'll see. They've got a big matchup against Wicomico. They would need Ken Island to lose a game here. Uh, But that said, it seems like Ken Island, the forgotten about team this year, because as we know, it's a program for years. that was the gold standard. They had a couple of seasons by their standards that weren't very good, five and five and six and four. Now there are other programs that would die to have that. But, and then last year you had COVID or in the spring, or I'm sorry, last year you had COVID and in the spring, you know, they missed some games etc so with that though I don't know if you felt the same way but uh, you know Ken Island four-year starter and a team that again in the trenches that was the question mark to me you know could Decatur's defense could they dig in against Ken Island's offensive line which returned I think four guys on the O-line but just your thoughts about the Buccaneers program and their team this year and
1: them being the king of the north (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, I think, you know, first off, I think uh, Coach Ferragamo did a nice job Friday night. And he even kind of laughed at me. He says, you know, I get, I get accused of not opening up the offense. He did some things early on that you know, from knowing Ken Allen's football program and, and the way they do things, that were a little, you know, a little different. Not much, and like he says, we do what we do, and they do it very well. Um, but he did he did add a few little wrinkles that caused some issues. Um, they went to a you know a two back set, which they've done before, uh, out of the shotgun. However, they were they were very good at showing uh, misdirection from one back on to the left, and then the second back would take it to the right with a pulling and guard with power. Uh, so it was sounds really like good. a Ravens play. Yeah, exactly. And then they would also switch it up a little bit and they would have, you know, the first back lead for the second black back with a pulling guard. So they were getting numbers. Um, th- their offensive line dominated the game. Uh, number 54 for Decatur. He, he was their best defensive lineman. He played nose guard, D tackle for him. And he, he had a really good game and he, he created some issues for Ken Allen, but all in all, they just, they handled the trenches very well. And I'll be honest, you know, Casey Heath being a sophomore, that's, that's just trouble for all the other teams in the North because that kid's a stud. Four touchdowns. Um, four touchdowns, and he's got a motor on defense, and he runs hard. And he's not afraid to run you over and drag you with him as you're going. So he's, he's, he's trouble for years to come.
1: Obviously, he was the Maverick Transport and Freight Award winner as well as the Sport Clips MVP. Uh, do you recall the name of the midshore exteriors, Protect This House Award winner, the, the lineman?
2: Yeah, it was their left tackle, uh, Charlie Fritz.
1: Okay. All right. So, obviously, a strong line there. Now, the other game I want to you know, keep you on for to talk about is a game you probably went up to see on Saturday. I know you were planning on. Why um, high jumped out to a 27-3 to lead over Easton. And then Kevin O'Connor started putting it all together, um, and they started moving the ball and getting into the end zone and converting and not making mistakes. Got all the way back to 27-24 and actually had a shot to tie it. Was that game a surprise to you that it was that close?
2: Well, you know, so I knew after watching Why High with you at North Carolina, um, there's no doubt Why High might be the most talented, have the most talented kids on the field in the Bayside. side. Um, but one of the things you and I saw at uh, North Carolina is they're not in good shape. They're really they got some conditioning issues. They're all cramping up, and it was even um, significantly more on Saturday because it was a little warmer out, suns out. It wasn't a Friday evening um, to see to see uh, why high jump up like that. Not necessarily a surprise for me. I did think. Uh, Easton would answer a little quicker. Um, they had some problems. They had some dropsies. Uh, I think they dropped about four or five balls in the mm-hmm. first half.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And here's the other thing that took played a big part is, <clears throat> you know, it was it was date night for me and the wife, so we were sitting there talking football in the stands. See, that's what we were doing. Oh, she <laughs> so I said to my wife, I said, man, their first drive took eight minutes and 24 seconds. I said, that's not good for Easton. And literally Easton ran five offensive plays in the first quarter. And I think a total of 15 for the whole first half. Wow! So that was really the big thing. Then Easton started to go a little faster, and y High, uh, having some conditioning issues, wasn't able to keep up. Um, they they ran a lot of motion and uh, created some uh, issues for their defense. They were running on and how to, to chase, and um, it, it became a, it became a real football game uh, late in the game, and uh, had a chance to, to tie it to go to overtime. And I tell you, if there's five more minutes in the game. Uh, I like Easton in that game just because of what you were seeing.
0: Well, that's going to set up an interesting matchup, as we know, this week with Wicomico going to Decatur. Decatur unable to handle Kent Island's running game, but yet Decatur runs a spread-type passing offense. And they obviously saw what Easton was able to do, so one would think they're going to try to mimic that on Friday night.
2: Oh, I think you'll see a lot of the similar stuff. With Decatur, with motion, and some different, they already kind of do some of that. Yeah. I think they'll see some things that they were like, oh, look at that. That's a problem. And if if Y High doesn't make some adjustments, um, there's some huge advantages. And the fact that there are no huddle and can go fast, you know, it would not surprise me at all to see a similar type game where Y High jumps up uh, one or two scores. And Decatur, as the second half rolls around, starts you know pulling it right back in and making a you know a one-score game at the end.
0: You know, Coach, one area of this game that I'm really interested in—not Friday's game, but this past Saturday with Easton and Y High—is that 23-game at halftime between the two teams. Why High leading, and Easton driving down the field in red zone territory against Wicomico and O'Connor was intercepted in the end zone by Malik Leatherberry who plays wide receiver and corners had a good year for them to start the year you know they score there instead of throwing the pick and Wicomico scores a touchdown off of that later on you know how different at that point the game is right then and there
2: oh I think it's a huge difference and it was actually just the ball was slightly underthrown. it needed to be thrown about two more yards and it would have been a touchdown, um, twenty yeah, to was, ten
0: at that point. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it's you know that's it's a whole another whole another ball game. Um, you know, Why High had at least one, if not two, touchdowns called back as well for penalties. Um, and I, I'll tell you, for a, a high school game, it was a hard hitting game. There was a couple questionable uh, calls. I mean, you know, thankfully the the one player for Why High is good. And but on a kickoff, there was a high speed collision that, you know, as a coach, you love to see. And then when you saw that the player wasn't moving, he was unconscious for about 15 to 20 seconds. Thankfully, you know, all good. But just to see the, the energy between the two teams was great. And then there was a, um, a hit on the quarterback late, later in the game to stop him from getting a first down. And uh, helmet came flying off. It was, it was a good, hard hitting football. Game. I saw that one. Did you see that? Yeah, mark? the yeah. Eastern
1: <laughs> photographer did an amazing job yeah. catching that. I, I can't remember his name because I'd love to give him the credit because we are, and I will give him the credit when we put it on shoresportsmd.com because I'm going to take that picture and use it. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, good stuff there. Well, Coach, we're going to let you run. Um, I do appreciate you chiming in and you know chiming in on a couple of those games. Did you have any other things from the weekend that you wanted to mention? or uh, what, You know why we have you I mean, I do have a question let, for him, but go ahead, let, ahead. Let's talk about real quick um, your, your boy and uh, the, the Bobcats. Frostburg is oh, yeah. off to a great start.
2: They are. They're, they're giving me some heart attacks on Thursday night and double overtime, but it gets a really, really good University of Charleston and a, a big conference game because typically uh, Charleston, Notre Dame, and Frostburg are the top three teams, and battling it out and they've kind of beat each other up with notre dame getting the edge over the last couple of years so it's a huge win for them they they are traveling to concord this weekend uh, i'm thinking about filing taxes in west virginia as much time as i'm spending there <laughs> and uh, you know go support them and uh, watch watch uh drew get to play another game
1: is that game on
2: saturday it is saturday at <laughs> one o'clock so we'll be uh leaving early 5 ish out of the eastern area on saturday morning to get there
0: Coach, just real quick, back to the high school ranks for a second. Now that you've seen both teams, in fact, you've seen one of these teams twice. Right now, I've got Y-High one, Kent Island two. In your opinion, right now, after week three, who's the better team, Y-High or Ken Island?
2: Ken Island. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Their defense is stout. Um, They may not be, you know, these big kids, but they play, and they play with a, a passion and uh, they'll be able to handle the running game now. There's and nobody... that's the
0: Coach. That's saying something, though.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. now, listen. There is nobody that can handle number three or twenty-nine when they get in open space. Yeah, they're gone. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so, but they're gonna they're gonna team, gang tackle. They're gonna do those things. And the difference for me is Ken Allen wearing down why high because they have seven or eight kids that go both ways. Yeah. yeah. And if they just pound on them, pound on them, running the ball, running the ball. By the third and fourth quarter, Ken Allen will have the huge advantage and be able to, to take advantage of that. Hey,
0: one thing about why high that I think I need to dispel, talk about them running the football really well, and, and teams, if they want to win, want to force to force them to have to throw the football. They have been able to throw the football successfully. They have a bit of a passing game, do they not?
2: Oh, I, for, I think Foreman's the quarterback's last name, yeah. if, I'm, if right. I'm correct, right? Yes, yeah. correct. So, yeah, yeah he, he looks totally different versus last year. Um, he, he's able to throw the ball a little bit, and they got a Freeman, I believe, is the wide yes, receiver. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. He's a, he's a dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a problem. Uh, you know, Easton even they started bracketing him on uh, Saturday just so that you know to make sure that he had to throw to somebody else, and he tried to force a couple balls to him, which helped Easton get back in the game because they were stopping the clock on incomplete pass and some other things. But they're uh, they they can throw the ball. They're not one dimensional. Now, we will tell you, they only run about six or seven plays but they run those six or seven plays really good.
1: Well, right now the plan is um, Cambridge uh, is playing at Kent Island this coming Friday night. And it's going to be Y High against Decatur. And that's uh, in Berlin. Mm-hmm. If they, both those teams escape, then the following week on Friday night, October 1st, it was originally going to be Easton at North Carolina. That was our original plan. But plans change because when you have two teams that are undefeated facing each other, uh, the October 1st, our Preston Ford game of the week, will be Kent Island at Y High. So, I'm gonna have to load, that means I'm going to buy Griffith dinner that night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you, the other thing we need to keep an eye on, and I, and I don't know if you saw it, Mark or, or Mike, but you know the MPSSAA yes. are looking at opening the playoff picture to everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, for, uh, the, for, the, for this
2: hey, year only. Correct. Um, which a you know I understand uh, it's a really bad scheduling problem for whoever's got to handle that. But um, it would be interesting to see how teams split up, too, because I'm being told not you won't see the traditional region teams all stuck together. Um, so there's a chance, like, a Y a High and a Decatur wouldn't see anybody from the 2A, like the North, Air, North Bay side, the Eastons or the Ken huh. Islands. And uh, that could get very interesting, then, um, if you're able to take, because I've always felt the 2A uh, East, you know, with us, and when you've had Caroline, Ken Island, Queen Anne's, East and Parkside all battling, and it's and then you always have the one or two teams from up north that would squeeze in in the old format. <clears throat> now it's a little bit easier, but now even if they take it out. Uh, and extend it. It's gonna it's gonna make things interesting. and might give some teams some more favorable matchups or some unfavorable matchups.
1: Well, and they're talking about expanding to six divisions. In, in this. Yeah. So I was thinking. I think Mike was the one that said, you know, maybe maybe we'll see two one A's and two two A's. And I, I think if you did it that way, I I think you divide it up. You have an, a two A East and a two A West. But it will be interesting to see what they come up with because I, I think you're right. I think they are going to past this uh, rule that they're talking about. On
2: Fridays
0: The vote. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, yeah. Hey,
2: and go ahead, Matt. So I'm just going to say preliminary. I did see that, you know, Decatur, uh, Bennett, and Y High were all going to be the same. So even though Bennett was 3A, they were going to do, like, large size 2A and small size 2A huh. and trying to make it for – because they don't want anybody to travel in the first week. But, you know, it presents a problem. I know everybody had a certain date to opt out. But let's be honest, you know, you're 0 and 9 – and you're going to play somebody who's 9-0, there's a good chance there's going to be some teams that are going to be very yeah. upset because they may just drop out, and then they're going to have an idle week, which, right. as a coach, I never want that going into the playoffs. You know, the uh, no. We're not the NFL for the bye week, so it doesn't right. work that way in high school.
1: Right.
0: Hey, hey, guys, one other thing here that's really important. Now, this has not affected the Bayside, thank God, but – Delaware's got a major issue with refs. They're moving games to Thursday night and Saturday afternoons. I know in the Baltimore metro area, I know one of the assistant coaches at Milford Mill because I work with him on the fan. He's a producer of mine. They've moved a number of games now to Thursday night, which gives them one less day to prepare. So this ref shortage is really affecting a lot of conferences in and around the Bayside. Thankfully, that hasn't hit here yet. We haven't heard, but
2: it's something to look out for. That would make things even more interesting, having to prepare on a very short week of, of a three-day practice.
1: Well, and we haven't had that issue here on the baseline. You're right. You haven't had it yet. And yes. You know, I mean, maybe that is why we've had some questionable, you know, officiating in our minds at, with what we've seen. Maybe you have some inexperienced refs that aren't ready for varsity getting varsity games. but. Yeah, that's a whole nother show. Yeah, I just, I you know, yeah. Yeah, I just want to but, throw that out there yeah.
0: since you're talking about expanded playoffs. Well, that's <laughs> more games, more refs needed. Yeah. Uh-oh. You know, that's definitely going to affect scheduling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Griffith. Well, listen, we look forward to seeing you. Uh, Bradley will see you. You'll share the booth with Bradley. You're getting an education of how to call a game with you know a lot of different people. Spence last week and and then uh, Bradley this week.
0: I think the last time I did any play-by-play for football was when you lost your voice in a north Carolina game and i came in and and did the fourth quarter i'm usually a color guy so this will be a learning experience for me but a lot of fun but coach i'm looking forward to your wealth of knowledge and learning from what you see or what i see on the field that is Oh, me
1: too. It should be a good time Friday night. I told, I told Griffith, I said, don't worry, you won't get to talk much.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I'm the, I'm the play-by-play guy, so he, he, he's got to describe it.
1: Uh, so there you go. All right, well, listen, Coach, uh, thanks again. And Bradley, we'll see you Friday night with our Preston Ford Game of the Week, Parkside at uh, Easton High School. Have
2: a good one. All right, thanks, guys.
0: And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com.
1: Hey, they're also hiring uh, some uh, uh, management positions, so folks that will be out there, supervisors, field supervisors. So uh, reach out to them, Midshore Exteriors. Dot com, so uh, we we talked about the two high school football games that Griffith saw, uh, Kent Island Decatur and also east and Wy High. A couple of other ones that took place uh, over the weekend, Friday night again. Colonel Richardson rolling to another big win, sixty-one nothing.
0: Well, against a team that's in their classification, a one east uh, contest, and certainly they have had a brutal start to the year schedule-wise with Wycombe going Kent Island. So not surprised by that win. Congrats to them, and we'll see. Within the 1A's, if they can continue to to win, of course, the matchup against Cambridge will be a good one for them.
1: And Washington uh, still winless. They're the only one that's winless in the group.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they didn't play in the spring, and uh, they're very young, a lot of sophomores. It's just going to be that kind of year. They're they're kind of in the same boat with Kent County, except Kent County played in the spring.
1: Oh, and Kent County hadn't won yet either. So you're
0: right. Again, they've had a tough schedule to start when you take a look at their three games.
1: Yeah, uh, Kent County lost to North Carolina Mm
0: 49-7. Mm-hmm. And, and they've uh, got they've got uh, another tough matchup this week.
1: Yeah, you know, and, uh, and kudos North Carolina. They scored uh, uh, six players scored seven touchdowns for them. Mm-hmm. Plus, they had a special teams. They had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a pick six. So all three elements of the game providing uh, for the Bulldogs there. Uh, Cambridge coach Toby Pier getting that first win or now second win, I guess second. Um, yeah. You know, able to beat uh, Bennett. A game that was real close at the half.
0: It was, and they are able to get it done. I mean, a lot of guys contributed there. K.J. Dawkins, 114 yards at a touchdown. Taeon Fletcher, 113 yards at a touchdown. Uh, Dario Belazar, not surprised, 85 yards at a touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown as well. And, uh, by the way, you mentioned North Carolina Jaden Watkins uh, with the uh, touchdown run. Sean Bunce uh, returned an interception for a touchdown. But back to Cambridge, though, look, that's uh, – I don't care. I know Bennett's having a tough year, and I know their numbers aren't great. They don't have a JV. I know all that, but for Cambridge, nonetheless, to be a three eighteen that has thirteen seniors, uh, that has a system that they're at least somewhat familiar with, compared to Cambridge, uh, that's just uh, who's got a new coach, new systems, and all that. I, I'm just that that win, that margin of win, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a big win for the Vikings.
1: Snow Hill also coming up big, fifty six twenty four over Arcadia. Good to see them get their first win.
0: Yeah, I mean they score and they score will now. Arcadia came in uh, Mark having already played four games because mm-hmm. Eastern Shore Virginia or Virginia as a whole they get they got started I think August twenty eighth. So Arcadia didn't have a good record obviously and had scored only twelve points, but still they had a lot of experience. Snow Hill didn't, but the Eagles uh, ran it up, uh, ran it up good on. Them. So how did you do on your picks this week? I went five and one, and the only game I missed out on was Cambridge Bennett. And if I had paid attention, I shouldn't say pay attention, that's a wrong term. But if I had followed of my rankings, then I would have picked Cambridge. I guess in my mind I just thought that uh, Bennett would be able to pull it out on the road, a 3A against a 1A, again with more experience, so on and so forth, same coaching staff and uh, they were they obviously unable to do it you feel for those kids, but uh, no, 5-1 did well. I had Ken Island over Decatur, look I said in the spring, Decatur had a good spring, but they lost to Wycombe and Easton until they went and beat some of these teams that are as good or better than them Then I'm not going to pick them. And so I didn't, and I went with Ken Island. And, again, I think some people may have been sleeping on Ken Island. And to Coach Griffith's point, maybe I, I should have Ken Island 1, go 2. I don't, so I'm going to hold true to what I have. But I respect the heck out of what he what he says and what he thinks. So, you know, I may be wrong on that.
1: that that's going to be a good one. I'm hoping both teams escape any injuries and— in- issues this coming weekend, because that is going to set up a whale of a football game for us uh, coming up on the 1st of October.
0: Yeah. Now, the difference is Ken Island has Cambridge this week. Correct. And Waikama goes at Decatur. So in terms of, with all due respect to Cambridge, that's a game Ken Island ought to be able to win fairly handily. Decatur, Wicomico, that's going to be a battle royale. And you better believe Decatur's going to be fired up coming off that loss at home. So we'll see how Wicomico comes out of it from a physical standpoint and just a general mentally, however that game goes.
1: Good, good high school football action here across the shore. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this recording on Monday uh, being released on Tuesday. Tonight, Parkside was able to pick up a game with Southern and Arundel uh, after having their game canceled uh, due to COVID uh, issues at uh, with Queen Ants.
0: With Queen Ants, right. So they're going to have a game Monday night and then Friday night against Easton, but given the fact that they didn't have a week one matchup, it, this isn't going to be an issue for them. Now, in terms of preparation for Friday night, you look at that and say, yeah, but does that adversely affect you in a two-way East matchup? But I also get the push-pull that, look, we want to get these kids games. They, ha- they they can't afford to lose a second week of games games. We need it. If we don't play this one, that may adversely affect us for Friday night's game anyway, having so much rust. So, yeah, it's a tough decision. I don't know how you fall on it, Mark, but I, I get, at least on the one hand, why you do this.
1: I'm glad they play. I, they, they need to play. Yeah, more games um, are better. You can always check uh, shortsportsmd.com for uh, results of the contest for Parkside and Southern. Just thankfully, both of them were able to get their game in.
0: And because of that game being on a Monday night, the power pole. Was not released uh, on Monday. Uh, it is released uh, today, yeah, along we'll, with this podcast. We'll
1: have it later on. Uh, later on today. Mm-hmm. Time out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, and well. <laughs> Let's get ready for this next segment. Yes, it's brought to you by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. A lot of high school talk, and, of course, we talked with Coach Frank Szymanski. College football this weekend. Virginia Tech didn't even deserve to be in the contest, uh, losing big time to West Virginia, they battled back and had a chance. And basically, what I'm seeing from the experts, and I would agree with it piss poor play calling over the last uh, quarter is what cost them that one.
0: Well, I'll take your word for it. I didn't see that game. I have to admit, though, Mark, I'm not surprised West Virginia won. That's a solid team. Maryland had a big win against them week one, but I expected that West Virginia to be right in that game to the end. As it turns out, they they did win it, so I'm not surprised. It's a solid team and take nothing away from Virginia Tech, but West Virginia I think is is as good as Va Tech is this year. Uh,
1: Maryland Maryland comes up big in a a, uh, a late night Friday night game.
0: Yeah, they had a 9 o'clock start, but that was that was a big program win for them I expected Illinois coming off of two straight losses at home Friday night crowd fired up I expected that Illinois would play a better ball than they had having lost to one of the losses was to uh, Texas San Antonio it was only a 10-year-old program that was their first ever Big Ten win so I expected Illinois to play a lot better at least on one side of the ball which they did defensively offensively and Maryland did a good job but Maryland's offense which was explosive the first two games it wasn't there for them and so they had to fight and claw and but when it counted the most offensively they got it done they got a big stop they pushed to illinois back they had to punt the maryland maryland was able to drive down and kick the field goal with three seconds left that was a huge win for them on the road again you're building confidence and you're building the faith that hey we could go and do this and they've got kent state saturday no pushover and then iowa comes to town right now ranked fifth in the country on friday night in college park that's going to be a huge matchup for them
1: and that'll be on the first right
0: yes correct night game yeah that'll be my other friday night where unfortunately that's the kent island why High matchup i'll be following it but i won't be working it
1: now let's also talk about alabama a close one they escaped gainesville
0: Yeah, the interesting thing is that at least all the pundits were saying that Alabama's got a really good defense coming back, might be one of their best ones. They couldn't stop the run for anything. Now, Dan Mullen in in, in Florida, Dan Mullen's one of the best offensive minds in college game. Yeah, Florida, to their credit, down 21-3. They fight back. They get to the very end. I I don't get that two-point play call that they had at the end. I didn't like that at all. I thought there should have been options, but you give them a lot of credit. Uh, Alabama, um, still, though, you know that's Young's first game on the road in a hostile environment. They still come out the victor. Uh, but I tell you what, right now, Mark, you take a look at the top five, top ten in college football, for the first time. It's all over the place. It is. Yeah, Alabama's won, but they show vulnerability defensively. Look at everybody else. Georgia, who have they really beaten? Georgia looks the best out of all of them. They do, but South Carolina's not very good. Yeah, they beat Clemson, but Clemson's offense looks awful. I mean, Mark, they scored 14 points against Georgia Tech, so yeah, Clemson's got a great defense and so does Georgia, but I don't know that Georgia has done enough for me against quality competition yet. We thought Clemson would be that team, but they're not right now. Uh, It's just all up there. I was ranked fifth, but I don't think offensively, at least in their passing game, uh, that they're that great. Yeah, they got a pretty good running game. Their defense is what carries them. I think Penn State, right Penn now State, yes. they may be one of the most balanced teams of that top ten. Um, they looked really good against Auburn, and in that game, and it just things are all over the place, which is a good thing. Ohio State, you know, they had a tough time in their game against Tulsa. Uh, they do pull away in that one. So right now, we're actually maybe seeing some parody in college football. Notre Dame, again, they escaped with a 14-point win against Purdue, but that was a seven-point game midway through the fourth right. quarter yeah. in
1: South Bend. Yeah, some, some good stuff there in uh, in college football. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing Alabama and Southern Miss this Saturday. because yeah, it shouldn't be close. I get it, but it'll be neat just being in that atmosphere.
0: You know, one thing that I'm starting to see a little bit, and I just wonder if this is a trend, Mark, is that – and I'll tell you why. Obviously, you know I'm a big Michigan fan, too – Michigan has really been able to ramp up their run game. Their offensive line has been an issue for them over the last couple of years. They've gotten that straightened out. They are running the football, and really, they're kind of copying the Ravens' attack in terms of loading up there, and that's something Jim Harbaugh liked to do anyway over the years when he was at Stanford, for instance. But you see that run again. You look at Auburn. They have a new head coach this year. What are they emphasizing as much as the past, not nearly as past happy as they were uh, in the past with Gus Malzahn? They're running the football. You're starting to see, I think, both at the collegiate level, a little bit, the pros, too. You're starting to see maybe that push back towards, look— you know, yeah, it's great to be able to throw the ball over the place, but you need to have a running game. And maybe in some cases, we're throwing the football too much now. We need to get back to having a solid running game. I think you're slowly but surely starting to see that come back in the college game.
1: Nebraska gave Oklahoma a scare.
0: How about that? That, that, that was good. Yeah. And, and that's and, another team that's like, and, they're ranked in the top five, but they don't look that impressive right now.
1: And don't discount Wisconsin. Wisconsin's yeah, yeah, running the football.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a team that's always consistent in what they do, and they're really one of the few throwback, pro, old pro-style teams now because the college game seeped into the pro into the pros offensively. You see a lot of that, but you're right. Uh, you never count out. Wisconsin's defense, really good. Jim Leonard, the former Raven safety played with the number of teams in the NFL, he's their D.C. He's done a great job. He's a head coaching candidate down the line.
1: You mentioned the NFL. Let's go ahead and knock that out real quick as yeah. well. Yeah, great win for the Ravens. Ravens last night first half Facebook loaded with Harbaugh's the worst coach in America and the end of the game praise all praise Harbaugh
0: well it's well, but at the half it was 14 to 10 so I, you know anybody that was giving them that much crap but no that look Mark that was a huge win for them again that it wasn't pretty uh, but they got it done and uh, you know seven of those points by the way it came from a pick six but for I think Jackson to bounce back and do what he did uh, was uh, that's a step in the right direction but he still has to hit on the long ball this is a problem they play action pass will be there but he's got to connect on those long balls mark and that's an issue he still doesn't have that accuracy there uh both of those picks should not have happened but his wide receiver slipped thought he'd be over to the right further intercepted and then i thought that uh, on the second pick i thought that the receiver was double covered even even before honey badger Drop back and made a triple coverage interception there, but no huge win. Um, but the Ravens, so ultimately, if they're to face KC again. That's <laughs> a tough team to stop, and they picked on the linebackers. Patrick Queen and and uh, and Harrison got picked on. Um, you can only take so many guys away before they find somebody else. It's just a, it's a tough matchup.
1: Washington got the win over the Giants on Thursday night. The Eagles lost yesterday. The Cowboys escaped the uh, uh, Chargers twenty to seventeen with a game-winning, uh, game winning good field goal yeah. as time expired. Everybody's saying, "Oh, Dallas's defense is so good." Well. Well, the whole thing is is the Chargers had just as many yards against the Cowboys as they did against Washington the week before. The only thing was the results were different, and that was – Hopkins missing a field goal for Washington, you know, changing the outcome of the game. But I, I think, you know, Dallas, they got the win. So, you know, Dak, and, you know, how about the rushing efforts from, you know, Zeke and Pollard? Pollard, Pollard
0: getting a lot of time yesterday. He, he did. He did. He looked good. And uh, the Chargers had uh, some inopportune penalties in that yeah. game. And how about Tennessee going up to Seattle and pulling it off? And that's despite having two calls, two critical calls that went against them that uh, the one. Play should have been a safety uh, on Russell Wilson uh, for being inside the tackle box and throwing it away for intentional grounding. He was definitely in the end zone uh, when that happened. And then I guess the T- the touchdown catch that they took away from uh, Julio Jones, I believe was, in the back of the end zone, they still come away the victor.
1: And Buffalo beating Pittsburgh. A surprise there for me. I thought that game would well, be no, closer.
0: You mean uh, the, the Raiders. I'm sorry, Buffalo yes. lost to Pittsburgh week one. Yeah, you're right. My, yeah. my
1: bad. The, the, the Raiders beating yeah. beating Pittsburgh. Well, that
0: made me feel, before the Ravens get, they made me feel a little bit better about losing to Las Vegas on the road on Monday night, but for them on a, a short turnaround, although they didn't have to take a red-eye flight back right away. Uh, but yeah, you give the Raiders a lot of credit in that one. And Derek Carr has put up some unbelievable numbers in his first two games. I think the record setting uh, for the uh, for the Raiders. And then the uh, Steelers, they're one of their defensive linemen fractured ankle out indefinitely. And then Deontay Johnson will find out more. I've had a chance to follow up, but he suffered a knee injury in the final play of the game. And don't look
1: now, but the Raiders
0: are two and zero. Oh. Exactly, yeah, and,
1: and leading the NFC, the AFC West.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, no, that's that's right. Because Kansas City's loss makes them makes them one and one uh, in the uh, in that division, and in the AFC North for the Ravens, everybody's one and one. And yeah, I mean Washington uh, give them uh, a lot of credit. Taylor Heineke getting a lot of love for bouncing back from that interception last Thursday night, getting him into field goal territory, and uh, winning the game against the uh, the Giants. And that's a that's a heartbreak loss for the Giants right now. Joe Judge is uh, getting black by uh, New York media, and the Broncos are two and zero also. So yeah, and you t- somebody, uh, geez, I'm trying to remember was somebody said, look at Denver's schedule. That's what I think it was Phil Sims. They're my dark horse team because you look at their schedule; they have so many winnable games. At the Giants, week one, well, the Giants' offense is not very good. Mm-hmm. Their defense is maybe not a whole lot better right now either. And then they played at Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is uh, undergoing a major uh, rebuild with uh, Urban Meyer there. And, uh, and that organization. So the Broncos do have a chance to win themselves several games or
1: something. Yeah, because they host the Jets this week. Yeah, so. th- there you go.
0: There's another one. Yeah, he went <laughs> through the litany of teams. It's like the first eight weeks. It's like, yeah, Denver's got a chance to really get off to a good start there. And the Denver does have a really good defense. The question is, offensively, their quarterback situation, you know, is Bridgewater the guy? Can it be the guy? And um, do they have enough weapons on the outside? Which I think they do. So,
1: yeah. Absolutely. We'd like to welcome Chop Tank Community Health on board with this is a sponsor of our timeout with Shore Sports Podcast. Check them out online at choptankhealth.org. And boy, I tell you what, a great week wrapped up. We've got another great week coming up this weekend. Some great high school football, college, NFL, and a whole lot more. And next week, you're not going to want to miss, uh, in, well, I'm sorry, in two weeks. In two weeks, mark your calendars. Scott Abraham will be with us. Um, October 5th will be the airing of that podcast. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be a great one. I'm looking forward to having Scott Abraham with us. He was, for those that don't know him, he was at WBOC, did the sports there, and uh, is now working for WJLA, TV7 out of Washington. And this guy gets it. He truly gets it. And we'll talk to him about that coming up in two weeks.
0: Yeah, he's had so many great experiences jumping uh, from the shore to a major market indeed. But yet at the same time, Mark, he has kept his uh, Friday Night Lights roots alive and well there, which is really cool to see.
1: Absolutely. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, make sure you share this podcast letting everybody know it's out there. We want you to listen to it. Tell us what you think. Send us your questions or a topic you want us to cover at mark at shortsportsmd.com Mike at shortsportsmd.com and uh, just let us know if there's something that you want us to talk about. We'll be
0: happy to talk about it. Or again, yeah, questions, commentaries or the power polls or yeah. picks or this, that, and the other. We want to hear from you and we look forward to the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Share the podcast. Share
1: shortsportsmd.com as uh, We'll continue to update that as well. This is your site, your show. That's right. And we appreciate our sponsors and, of course, all of you for listening. And, Coach. Yes, and thanks to Coach Szymanski for coming in and Coach Griffith for joining us as well. For Mike Bradley, I'm Mark Potter saying so long until next Tuesday right here on Time Out with Shore Sports. Presented by the Preston Automotive Group.
0: You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley. Presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on shoresportsmd.com.